Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. You know, we all have one mission, whether it's every believer, every person on this planet that is a follower of Jesus, we've got this mission of being transformed, allowing the Spirit to transform us into the image of Jesus, where we look like him in spirit, we have his joy, we have his spirit residing on the inside, but allowing him to transform us all the way so that we can do his will on the earth while we're alive, right? That's what we're gonna do. And that includes a lot of things, from discipling other people, to living the right ways, to having families and jobs and all those things, whatever his will, his purpose, his design is for you. But we want to be all transformed. The Bible talks about it several times in Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians, to be transformed into his image, glory to glory, day by day, looking more and more like Jesus, not just being Matt, but behaving like him, looking like him, sounding like him, thinking like him. And the Holy Spirit does that as we allow him. All right, so I'm, I'm reminded of often, if not daily, it's close to every day, I'm reminded of those who have gone on before us, our spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith since the time of Jesus, who have lived on this earth and lived in such a way in their time, in their season, in their nation during difficulty, and they were strong, they were shining, They did great exploits, they had faith, they suffered, they went through it. I'm I'm inspired by them. Uh, People like Athanasius, one of my my heroes, exiled five different times. They came and killed everybody in his church um, in Northern Africa once, and he escaped. He actually fainted when he saw the blood, he couldn't handle it, and fainted, they thought he was dead. They dragged him out, and he actually escaped. To so many other people, the other one I was thinking of was John Amos Comenius, who's called the father of modern education, who was an amazing writer, thinker, helped bring the education system up uh, in phenomenal ways, but he was persecuted, and he kept having to run, and they'd burn all his books, and you have to start all over again in a new place, and then you'd start writing again, and then they'd find him, and they'd burn everything, and he'd escape with his life. Over and over and over, people who lived strongly in their time, who followed Jesus and kept their eyes on him regardless of what was going on around them, and they didn't get sucked into the world's way of thinking, and they didn't lose their faith. And I understand that we are not persecuted like they are, at least us here in this room. Uh, There are many, maybe some who will be watching this who are living in that type of an environment. We don't yet. Uh, We're not persecuted like that, but... We have really, um, I would say, an an assault in our nation and in the world, an assault that's a spiritual assault on everything good, right? And we are living during that time. It's not always personal, but it's an assault on what we believe and what's true and what's righteous and what's just, all of those things. And so we really need to be aware of that, but also be aware of what's What's going on for real and who the real enemy is? All these things are 
are really important because we're talking about all the time here, we're talking about unseen things with our eyes. We talk about God. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who we don't get to see with our eyes all the time. There were some who got to see Jesus as he was walking on the earth, but we're talking about very real, more real than anything we can touch and see here, God who created everything, but he's unseen to us right now. And there's a very real unseen power called the devil as well. He's real. I know that people make jokes about him like he's not really real. People say the word hell all the time as if it's just not even a real place. It is. The devil is really real. I don't want to give him much credit, but he really is our enemy. And we want to make sure throughout our lives of being transformed and made into the image of Jesus that the weapons that we do have, our words, our prayers, our action, are not pointed in ways that would tear down any other person, but that we recognize that the enemy is our enemy. And it's not other people. It's not institutions. It's not our neighbor. It's, it's the enemy. In fact, the Bible says this. Paul said this clearly. He said, the weapons of your warfare, right? They're not carnal. They're spiritual. So let's not use spiritual weapons to tear down other people. Or don't spend too much time thinking about and with our minds and with our mouths speaking against people, even if they're evil people. Recognizing that there's a real enemy that's behind that, that's influencing them. I had this, uh, it was really the first day that I, be, I was asked to go on staff full-time in the ministry. I sat in this office for the very first time, I think it was in 1997, and um, it was quiet in the office, and I had just, just this realization that, wait, this is so weird. I've left government service, I've left um, my job, and here I am sitting in an office where I'm going to be ministering to people and getting paid for that, which was weird. Um, and this thought and this prayer came out of me, and it was this, that Lord help me to see every person that I will ever see as a person that you intend to live inside of. Because everyone is made in the image of God. Even though they're not reflecting his image, right? We're all made. So every person, whether they're completely deceived or completely evil or they're beautiful, they're made for God to live inside of them. So there's an honor in a sense that I want to see everyone as, um, as made in God's image, even if I disagree with them. I don't want to mistreat anybody. I want to see people in the way that God sees them. I love this, this one lady. Uh, she said to me, well, no, they weren't a, a non-Christian. She said they were just pre-Christian. They're not there yet. They're, they're on the way. God's got their number. And he's wanting to save them. Now, that's not um, denying that evil people exist. Um, that's also not accepting or trusting everybody. I'm not talking about that. But that I would see people in the right way, that God wants us to see people in the right way. And for one reason, it's because I used to be, and you used to be, those people, right? <laughs> Except for you got ripped out of a kingdom, the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of the sun. Colossians 1.13 says, he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us 
to the kingdom of his beloved son. You got a transfer. That was the best transfer you ever had or will ever get. Some people get job transfers. This was a transference from one kingdom, a kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of the sun. You were made in the image of God even when you were in the dark kingdom. But God transferred you, filled you and me, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's this spiritual reality where we want to view people with love. Jesus could love everybody, speak truth, in power, and with authenticity and authority, which set him apart. People were saying, who is this guy who speaks with authority? We're not used to that. We're used to just this mamby-pamby stuff or things, that's, things that are not authentic. Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke with love. He had love. He spoke truth in that way. And so our goal, again, part of our mission, is to be transformed to be like him to think like him. The Bible says we have, how about this, the mind of who? Of Christ. That's an amazing thing. Those aren't just words. You and I can have the mind of Jesus. It's a reception. We receive what he thinks. We can have his mind. If I want it, I want it. I want your mind. I want you to have, I wanna have the kind of thoughts that you would have when I look at people. When I pray, I wanna have your kind of thoughts that you would pray. I wanna have your thinking when I come up against difficulties and troubles. We can have his mind. And you know, Jesus, this is, you know, as I, just my personal life, when I met the Lord at seven, I was in church my whole life from being born, but I've discovered along the way, especially in my 20s, that I had to begin unlearning as much as I was learning in the kingdom. And here's what I mean by that. Maybe you have a similar situation. I was unlearning religious thinking. Some church thinking that I got, some was really good, some wasn't so good. And the ways that I viewed God, I was was an, an unlearning process to then relearn what was true, what was real, what the Bible really says, the spirit of God, the heart of God. Because religiosity is a killer. And I've had to unlearn a lot of that myself. Maybe you've had that too. Now, if you've been newly saved, you probably don't have any of that to work through, which is, that can be a benefit. Nonetheless, I had to to unlearn a lot and grow in him. As I have embraced not knowing everything and saying, Jesus, change me to be like you. It's amazing the things that fall off. Lots of things have fallen off. Ways that I used to speak about people, ways that I used to think, all those things have started to, you know, they they begin falling off throughout my life. And I realized that Jesus, when he came on his mission into the earth to do all the things that he did, he wasn't doing miracles just to show off. Some people think that, that he was simply doing miracles so that people would recognize that he was supreme or this being that, that is God, which that happened, but he wasn't doing that for that reason. He was really healing people because he loved them. Amen. See, that's completely different than showing off. And he was doing it not just to even heal people, he was also showing us how we are to live. 
The ways that Jesus lived were an example for you and I in how to live. The way that he related to his father. I mean, I'm sure people are going, he's talking to his father when he's praying, and he's praying so personally, like God is right here. And he's praying as if he knows him. Jesus is showing us how to pray when he's doing that. He's not just showing us or showing off. He's showing us how to live. So when I read this gospel, when I read the gospels and I see how Jesus lived and I hear what he said and how he behaved and how he treated people, yes, he's God. At the same time, his goal and his desire is for those who follow him would become like him. I had a dream one uh, Saturday night or early Sunday morning, several years ago, we were in the other building. And in the dream, I was at church with all of you. And we were standing up and we laid hands on one another's shoulders, we're all touching shoulders in the room, and we said this together. As he is, so are we in this world. And I did not remember, I woke up, and I, it was resonating inside of me, so I looked it up and it's a scripture. I didn't remember that. But it's 1 John 4, 17. It's the last part of that. As he is, so are we in this world. We were saying that to one another in this dream. As he is, let's just say it together. As he is, so also are we in this world. Did I say it right? So, yes. We are to be like he is. I'm not saying that you're God. I'm saying that we behave the way that Jesus lived, that we relate to the Father the way that he relates to his Father, that we treat people in love and with compassion, that we're motivated by doing the will of the Father and love for other people. We wanna live that way. And some of the ways that Jesus lived, man, was it the opposite of his culture? Really opposite. In this one, and so many things are funny too. God has a sense of humor too. All in the midst of all of these things, he's not heavy, he's light, right? How about this? The only time that Jesus is sleeping that's recorded in scripture is when? In the middle of a storm. Not just a storm, a storm where the disciples thought they're about to die. A serious storm. This is the only time that I can find Jesus is snoring. Well, he didn't say that part, but he's sleeping He's sleeping, he's doing the opposite of what you would think, what panic would do. You find out, when he speaks, again, I just mentioned this, he speaks with authority. He doesn't just say things, he speaks with authority. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit helps you and I with, is to speak with authority. When he prays, Here's the times he prays, in the early morning hours before light, so no one can see him praying. That's interesting. He's getting up early, disciples are looking for him half the time. Where'd Jesus go? He's praying, he's with his father. He's not praying like he was mentioning the Pharisees, they like to pray out in the open so everybody can watch them and see how holy they are. Jesus doesn't do that. He is praying where people can't see him. In fact, he's escaping to pray. He's running away to pray. So it's not about appearance again. And he's calm. He remains calm in every crisis, difficult situation. You know, the 
the man comes with his son and the son gets thrown down by a demon and he's rolling around. Sometimes he gets thrown into the fire, the father says. Jesus isn't concerned. He's not worried. He's not panicked. He just, boom. He just responds. He takes action. And Jesus, he does supernatural things. He even overcame the laws of science. Just, just amazing. I mean, walking on water, things like that. Jesus chose to do. Now, I don't know that we're supposed to be doing that all the time. There may be moments where we are. I, I know of stories of things like that um, related to being transported from one location to the next. I have a friend who that happened to um, on his way to a meeting was way, way, way late. There's no way he would have made it there. Next thing you know, he gets there. Didn't remember any of the passage of time. In between, he gets there early. He's like, it didn't make any sense to him. Everything, Carr and himself went ahead in time. The Lord can do those type of things whenever he wants to. Uh, for Philip, that happened to Philip, right? When he baptized, we came out of the water, he disappeared. Showed up somewhere else. That wasn't just Jesus doing it. That's Philip taking it. Of course, the Holy Spirit did that when he wasn't trying to do anything. He was just doing his stuff, and the Lord snatched him and put him somewhere else. Other things that Jesus does, of course, he delivers people from demonic bondage. He multiplies food. But he also loves so well. He loves people well. Uh, one of my favorite stories is when the leper comes to him. He's full of shame. He's untouchable in that culture. You don't come near a leper. They live outside. Everyone else, they're not touched physically. And when he comes to Jesus, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, as he says, I am willing, he touches him. He touches the untouchable. He goes right into the place where no one else is gonna go. He's not afraid. And he brings healing as part of the kind of things we're supposed to do. Go where others are afraid to go to help people, to set them free, to deliver, to heal, to be love to others. And he instructs us to live in opposite ways. He says things like this in Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Who does that? Someone curses you right now? Is, I mean, instantly on the inside, you go, I wanna bless you. And you know, honest, and, and this is another personal thing. I like to tell you I don't struggle with this, but I do. Um, I, one of the things that I battle with is being falsely accused. When I get accused of doing something or saying something that wasn't in my heart or I didn't mean to do and someone accuses me, there is a reaction that goes off inside of me to defend myself and to lash back. And I, I'm just, I'm sorry. This is, I, I, that's an issue I've got. And the Lord is helping me with that as I am allowing him to and to not defend myself when I get accused falsely. And, and it just, it happens, it's happened throughout my life. All these strange like of accusations of things that I never even thought about doing. But the Lord wants to change me in that way where when I'm falsely accused, I don't react, but I respond in love. That I forgive, that doesn't stick to me, Right? Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said, love your enemies. Think about that. Find an enemy. Maybe you even don't know them personally, but they're an enemy to you. They're an enemy to your beliefs or our country or whatever. Think about it. 
Here's what Jesus says, love that person. Love that person. I had someone telling me one day how much they disliked and despised this other person. It was their boss at work. And this thought just came to me. And it was, find out your boss's birthday and bring them, make them a birthday cake. Just do the opposite. Love the person that has become an enemy to you. Find ways to be kind. Find ways to do the opposite of what your flesh wants to do, what your carnal nature wants to do, what the world would do. This is your and I, this is our calling. Our calling is to live an opposite life like Jesus lived. Doing the opposite type of things that the world would normally, things that would just be on cruise control were to do the opposite. And then he says in Matthew 6, 15, forgive all who've done you wrong. Forgive everybody who's done you wrong. We can come up with, I can come up with a list of reasons why not to forgive certain people. Can you do that? Of course. We can all come up with a reason, with a list of reasons. But the blood of Jesus wipes away all of our lists. And he says, as I've forgiven you, you forgive others. In fact, if you don't forgive others, there's a tormentor that's on your tail. You will be tormented. We have to, it says, he also said this, that our Father won't forgive us if we don't forgive others. So we have no, boy, I need to live in that opposite spirit. Number one, I'm gonna forgive other people. I'm gonna forgive any, whether it's those accusations or any other thing, I wanna forgive. So we want to not freak out, panic, tremble in fear, or react in anger, be critical, or gossip. Second Timothy 1.7 says, you have not received a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we want to respond and not react. There's a difference between those two. Reaction tends to be what happens, uh, like if you were to step on the tail of a snake, it's gonna come back and bite you. That's a, that's a reaction. A response is that when we get stepped on or when something is done wrong, that we respond in the ways that Jesus would respond. We love, we forgive. We turn the other cheek. Isaiah 61, 60 verse one says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Now that was prophesied 600 years before Jesus was born. Jesus comes to the earth. He, he is the light of the world. But then he says this in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world because he lives inside of us by his spirit. Shine brightly. So that arise, shine, your light has come. Our light has come on the inside of us to live on the inside of us. So where there's deep darkness in the earth, deep darkness in the people, we are to shine and light really does stand out in darkness. This opposite spirit way of living is shining. It, people will notice. There's a difference. We can actually change situations by living in the opposite spirit, the spirit of Jesus in every situation. For men, personally for men, here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. 
He's not saying to women to act like men. He's saying to men, act like men, act like men. be strong, be on the alert, be aware, be awake, live fully awake. What's God want us to do today? Where can I be like Jesus? Who can I speak to in ways that can help the situation? We're to live more for things than against things. Man, this is a big one. We can have uh, as our soapbox all the things we're against. There's a lot of, just like that list of unforgiveness that we could have and feel fully justified that we're not. We could have a huge list of things that we're against in this world right now. And I am against several things. I've got a list. But I don't want to highlight that and focus on that and that be all my conversation is about all the things I'm against. That is not kingdom. Right? That's not. We are to be for more things than we're against things. For things that are kingdom. More th for things that are light, that are life, that are forgiveness. Yeah, I need to stand against some things. We're gonna do that, but that doesn't need to be our whole focus. That is where we're gonna be way off. If, you're, if you find yourself, even, even just thinking about right now, do I speak more about things that I'm against and that really frustrate me than what I am for, what Jesus said to do? Am I praying for forgiveness? Am I praying for others to be blessed? Am I on the for side more than I'm on the against side? And on the against side will turn you into a religious cynic, a religious person that is really bound by a lot of anger, all those things. Let's not highlight the against things, although we can all find them. It's easy to do, very easy to find things that we can be against because so many things are messed up in the world. And I'm amazed at this, that when Jesus in his situation, in his day, when the Roman Empire ruled his country, when they were really under the foot of Caesar and the whole Roman army, you, it, it's, you can't find anything in the scriptures of Jesus railing against the Roman Empire. It's amazing to me. Or the Caesars. In fact, someone says, you know, are we supposed to pay taxes? And he says, well, show me a coin. They show him a coin. He says, whose image is on the coin? Caesar. Then give to Caesar that which is his and give to God that which is his. You're made in the image of God. Give yourselves to God and pay your taxes, basically. Great opportunity, great setup for Jesus to rail against the Roman Empire and the taxation system that he was under. He didn't do it. He said, pay your taxes. Jesus didn't rail against the corruption that he was living under, even though he could have. Here he is, God. Instead, he focuses on what he's for, and he's focusing on making sure that our hearts are saved, set free, and that we are loving and shining. Amen. That's what he focuses on. He doesn't, have, he doesn't rally everybody, though he could have. With his power, imagine, you just fed 15,000 people. They said 5,000 men. That means there's always more women in a church meeting if there's... Right, so you got at least 5,000 men, you got probably seven or 8,000 women and children, he feeds all of them. There's a great moment to say, okay, all this free food, let's take over our country. Let's wipe out Caesar. Let's raise up an army right now. Could have easily started going that direction. That's not what he does. 
He is more interested in what's going on inside of people so that we could then shine and go and change situations going as leaven, there's good leaven and bad leaven, leaven going out there and coming to life and rising in all the different areas that we're in. Being light, being life, having words of life, forgiving, loving people, incredible. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, I'm gonna say including, don't be overcome by the evil things that others are doing. Don't let what all that they're focused, all that they're doing become your focus. But overcome evil by doing good. Do good stuff wherever you are. Live fully alive. Pray great things. Have faith, have courage, have hope. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. Don't grow weary, just keep doing good stuff. Keep following Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Pray for those in authority over us. Pray for change to happen, but I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm not gonna be overcome by the evil that the enemy's stirring up to participate or to just be down and depressed by it either. Pray, let's use our faith and energy to pray, to bind, to loose. Ephesians 6.18 says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Our mumbling should be prayers. We're praying while we're driving, praying while we're in the shower, praying whenever we can, at all times, in the spirit. Prayer changes things. We may not see it instantly, though sometimes we do. Though it's really fun when you see it instantly. I'll share one quick story of an instant prayer. It, it was probably the second fastest prayer I've ever seen take place. Um, my brother lived with us for a short time. Uh, we were in an apartment. This is when we first got married, a long time ago. And he had this really nice truck, had tens of thousands of dollars in it, really nice stereo system. And basically, the important things that he owned were in that truck. Uh, I um, got this phone call while I'm at work, and he said, Matt, did you see my truck when you went to work this morning? I said, no, I wasn't paying attention. He said, it's gone. And uh, someone has taken it. I said, oh my goodness. I said, let me come home. So I left work. Um, I was selling cell phones at that time. I left work, came to the apartment. My wife is there, my brother's there. And I just said, let's just pray right now. We don't know what's going on, but let's just pray. So we prayed and I prayed something I've never prayed before. I prayed that the fear of God would hit whoever took that truck. Strange prayer maybe. And that it would be returned. And as I said amen, this was really bizarre, the phone rings. We answer the phone, it's a police officer. And he asks for my brother. Hand the phone to my brother. And he says, do you have this truck? Yeah, and I hear my brother just saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, uh-huh. What? And what had happened is the police just found this vehicle, his truck, in a field. He drove off the road into a field, opened the door, and he ran. Just ran out of the truck. Inside the truck was my brother's cell phone, 
his wallet, all of his CDs. Not one thing was taken. In addition to that, the guy who stole the truck left his wallet. <laughs> the tools that he broke into the truck with, he left everything and he ran. So the police got the driver's license out of this guy, went to his house and arrested him. He got the truck back. I would like to know what the fear of God looked like for that guy at that moment. Of course, that happened before I prayed it even. Amazing what God does sometimes. But prayer, we are supposed to be engaged in prayer. Engaged in praying at all times, even if we don't see the results that happen just like that. Because God is working. A friend of mine said once, he said, the angels are always looking for stuff to do. And when we pray, the Lord gives them assignments. How about that? Just thinking about that. Think of tens of thousands of angels looking for stuff to do, waiting for us to pray, not to them, to the Father, to the Son, to declare, to pray, to request, so they are released to do things that we can't do. I like that. There are opportunities all over the place for us to do many different things. I remember on 9-11, you remember that, 21 years ago now. I remember where I was. If you were alive, you do too. I remember it happening. And this scripture came right into my spirit, right as I was watching. We put it, I was teaching a, a class, and we put it up on the screen and watched the second plane go into the tower. And as that happened, this scripture that, again, I didn't even remember it being there, but this scripture went into my spirit, and it was this one. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. That's what, hit, that's what I started thinking about. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. And the, the context of this really is under persecution that certain things will happen, but that persecution will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. And what happened right after 9-11, if you'll remember, is that the churches got flooded with people. People were desperate, they were hurting, they were afraid, and for a moment, the church... The body of Christ had an incredible opportunity as people flooded into churches to have some hope and some peace and for us to share. That happened. And there are opportunities in every difficulty, in every area of life. When COVID hit uh, in March, a couple of years ago, I remember saying this to us. These are gonna open up opportunities for us business-wise, financially, look for opportunities. Because what the enemy's doing, some stuff that's nasty, there will be opportunities for good. And man, if you've sold a house over these last couple of years, you probably did pretty well, right? And there's certain things that you invested in. There are opportunities in the middle of every single difficulty if, we're, if our eyes are open. You remember Hagar with her son, Ishmael, wandering in the desert? They can't find a place to stay or be safe or water to drink. She thinks they're gonna die. She prays to God, God, would you, would you help? Would you help? And it says this, and God opened her eyes and she saw, oh, there's a well right there. She saw a resource when she prayed and the Lord opened her eyes. Sometimes we need our eyes open to the opportunity that's right there. In every difficulty, and sometimes that's changing the way that we do things. Uh, there's a great story uh, that I remember years ago that Stephen Roach told uh, about this company called Kutal. Uh, I think they're still around. They made wallpaper cleansing material. This is back, 
I forgot when it was, maybe the 40s, 50s, when there was a lot of soot, there was a lot of coal burning stoves, and so you get soot all over the wallpaper. And so they created this material that it was dry and you'd roll it down your wallpaper and it would collect all the soot. It was really, really handy. And then electric and gas heat came out and all these new furnaces went in and that whole industry went away. So this product had no use anymore because there was no more soot on the wallpaper. And a teacher who was related to the person who was working the company who invented this had been playing around with it. And it's safe, all, the, all this, the ingredients are safe, and they've been using it in her class. She said, what if we somehow reuse this stuff for kids in classrooms? And what do we call it? Well, let's call it Play-Doh. They sold three billion little canisters of Play-Doh since they made a shift much more um, lucrative and successful than it was as wallpaper cleaner became Play-Doh for all these kids. I played with it all across the country and probably the world. Same identical product, but with a new use based on what was going on in the moment, in that time, an industry going away, and some eyes were open to go, hey, how about we do this instead with it? We have the creator of the universe who has every creative idea that there will ever be or is to have, and he gives them to us. We can reuse things. There's new applications. Sometimes in your job or in what you're doing, difficulties come, changes happen. Just ask the Lord, would you open my eyes to see how I'm supposed to be responding in this moment, at this time? Maybe it's to preach. Maybe it's to share the gospel. Maybe it's to change the way that I do business. Maybe it's to use a product that I was using one way and switch the use and it's reapplied in a new way. God wants us to Take and make, take advantage of every opportunity regardless of the craziness that goes on or what feels like everything is tanked. When things have been tanked, when things go the opposite way that we want, there's opportunity hiding there. So what, is, what kind of opportunities does he have for us? Even right now, let's say you're in the middle of some sort of hardship, difficulty. What opportunities are there? Uh, especially, you know, if someone's mistreating you or difficult, difficult relationship, maybe in the family. There, I'm telling you right now, there are opportunities right in the middle of it to sleep in the storm or rise strongly in the midst of whatever's going on and be light and be life and encourage and forgive. If it's business-wise, maybe there's an idea that's gonna shift the way that you're doing business and become even more successful what does God want to adjust? And what is their opportunity for our testimony? So Lord, we just ask right now that you would open our eyes, open our eyes like you did Hagar's to see the well that you provided at every difficult spot. And Lord, I ask that we would live like you, that we would behave like you, that we would love like you, that we would forgive like you forgive. That we would, and I'm speaking for myself on this one too, Lord, I ask that we would not react to accusation, but we'd respond with forgiveness and love and kindness. Lord, I ask that you would help us to see the opportunities at every turn in our life. 
that it wouldn't all be about us, but we would see opportunities for you to get glory, for your name to be made great, for your light to shine through us, for lives to hear the good, glad, merry news that causes someone to want to leap for joy, that gospel news of salvation that we've been singing about today. Lord, I bless every person here and ask for your help in everything that they're facing right now, in the midst of everything they're facing, that they're dealing with, that they're battling through. Lord, I pray that you'd open their eyes and may they see the opportunity to bring the kingdom, to be light in life, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.